Why don't you stand for the reading of God's Word? We're going through Romans, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Romans, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we're in verse... We're in verse 21, and we'll be reading through verse 26. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he may be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, out in the world, we, we feed off of so many things that we should not be feeding off of, Lord. To give nourishment to our soul. Some of the things, Lord, they're, they're not necessarily bad things out in the media or books or education, but we cross the line and we, we feed off of them to build up our identity when our identity is 100% in Christ, Lord. Other things that we feed off of, Lord, there are many here today. They may have been feeding off of things that are just they know are wrong and they're feeding off of. They're worshiping them feeding off of them. And Lord, here, in these verses here, you make it really clear what we're supposed to be feeding off of. Fill us and make our identity full and and protected and really invincible. Would you speak to our hearts, Lord? Would you soften our hearts so that we receive? Open our ears, Lord. They're so stubborn. 
We don't listen to you. This is by your grace, Lord, open up our ears, our minds as well, Lord. And I, I ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So I'm going to put up on the projection screen right now five commands that apply to every single one of you who is a Christian. Five commands here. Rejoice always. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.16. It's a command. That's not an option. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Be bold. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, walk in love. It's not a nice idea. None of these are nice ideas. None of them. They're commands. Let's take the first one. Rejoice always. How are you supposed to rejoice when you are a dad and you've been called for the third time in one semester to the principal's office because your child is making his fifth grade teacher's class hell on earth. How are you supposed to do that? 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. When you know that the child issues are all about your neglect. The fact that for uh, th the previous three years, you ignored that child's cry for your attention. You were flying all around the world or all around the state or all around the county trying to make as much money as fast as you can uh, and, and as much power and name to yourself as you could. How can you rejoice? When you know you're being called into the teacher's class, rather the principal's office, and it's your fault, how are you supposed to rejoice? First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. How can you pray at all, much less without ceasing, when you are a wife and a mom, and you spend hours every day wishing that you were alone and free. How can you go to a, a holy God and pray? God is just, isn't, isn't he? How can I, I go to God and, and him not possibly condemn me when I know that's in my mind, I know that's my fantasy, and I've been clinging to it, and I know it's wrong? How am I supposed to pray to him? Joshua 1.6, be bold. How can I be bold or how can 
How can you be bold? When you feel like a coward because you spent last night hours on the internet poisoning your mind with sewerage, garbage pouring into your brain, how can, how can you be bold when you're not right with God? That's how you, that's how you spent your night. How can you be bold? Joshua 1, 6. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How can you run the race that God has set before you? Meaning your job, that job that God has set before you, your school, your ministry, your family. With that thing haunting you, that thing that you did five years ago, one year ago, 20 years ago, you know you did that thing. And, 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 and you wake up with the memory of that thing uh, every morning. That thing, it's going to drag me down to hell for eternity. How am I supposed to run the race, Hebrews 12, 2? that is set before me with endurance, meaning you keep on doing it. Lastly, Ephesians 5.2, walk in love. You woke up this morning. You don't know what you dreamed about, but you feel dirty You feel rotten, you feel guilty, you feel real insecure, really fearful, really thinking that if you were to die right now, the last place you would find yourself is eternity with Jesus. How are you supposed to walk in love? Maybe I should pick up my Bible Maybe that'll give me some comfort. When you pick up your Bible and you turn to Psalm 33, verse 1, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. O you righteous? I'm not righteous. I can't rejoice. I'm not righteous. Or Psalm, or Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord hears the prayers of the righteous. What's the point of praying? I'm not righteous. He's not going to hear my prayer. Or Proverbs 28, verse 1. The righteous are as bold as a lion. but didn't you just hear me? I'm not bold. I'm a coward because I'm unrighteous. My unrighteousness has crippled me. I'm anything but bold. And then you see this verse. 
Now, this is the verse that Jesus spoke at the very beginning of his ministry. This is what he said at the first. He said this. We read this last week, Matthew 5.20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's how he began his ministry. Well, maybe he ends a little better. This is how he ends his ministry. This is at the very end of the three years. The unrighteous, and man, do I feel unrighteous, will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. What am I going to do? I'm not feeling the righteous. I am unrighteous. I need a righteousness. For joy, to pray, to be bold, to run this race that God has set before me, to love, to save me from a holy God who is just and he must punish my unrighteousness. I need that. I have all these verses in the Bible. Righteousness. What does it mean anyway? I taught a new believers class a couple of summers ago. There's five teenagers in this class. And I asked them, what does the word righteous mean? And not one of them knew, had even ever even heard of it. They had never heard of the word righteous. That's, the, that's what, that's our, our society today. That's our country. We've written words like that right out of our vocabulary. What does it mean, righteous, righteousness? What does it mean anyway? Let's look here. Righteousness. Here's what it means. Being right, perfectly right, always right, never wrong in the eyes of God. That's what it means to be righteous or righteousness. That's what righteousness is. One more time. Being right, perfectly right, always right, never wrong in the eyes of God. Well, Pastor Steve, that is not comforting to me. Okay, well, how about Romans chapter 3, verse 21, where we began this morning? Let's read it together. Paul says, but now, the righteousness of God. doesn't say of me. It says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law, is revealed, meaning is made available. You mean somehow I can be right, perfectly right, always right, never wrong in the eyes of God, apart from my behavior? Yeah, that's what that verse says. It says it. Take up your argument with God if you don't like it. It says... Again, verse 21, but now the righteousness, meaning being right, perfectly right, always right, never wrong, 
of God apart from any law, apart from your behavior, apart from you following or breaking the law, is revealed. Or it has been made available. Keep in mind, Jesus, I mean, Paul here is speaking relatively soon after Jesus' death, in the years after his death. How can that be possible? <laughs> How can it be possible that um, I can have a righteousness is, is available to me that actually makes me right, perfectly right, never wrong in the eyes of God? And again, the answer is in the very very important words. Listen, Calvary Chapel, every single word in the Bible is unbelievably important. <laughs> Especially these two words in verse 21 of Romans chapter 3, of God. The righteousness of God. You can be made righteous always right, perfectly right, never wrong in the eyes of God because you can receive the righteousness of God, a righteousness that's not your own. Look at verse 22. Again, it says, even the righteousness of God. Middle of verse 25. His righteousness. Middle of verse 26 speaks of his righteousness. Four times in just these five verses, that word righteousness. Paul is just getting started. He uses it five times in this chapter, eight times in the next chapter, Romans chapter 4. In Romans chapter 5, two times. In chapter 6, five times. In chapter 8, just once. And then it's almost as like, ooh, i got to start using it again. In chapter 9, six times the word righteousness. In chapter 10, seven times. Righteousness. A total of 37 times in the book of Romans. Second place is 2 Corinthians. He only uses it seven times. Tied with Hebrews. Seven times it's used. 37 times in the book of Romans and every single time it's used. Righteousness, being right, perfectly right, all the time, in the eyes of God, never wrong. It's speaking about God's righteousness. It's speaking about a righteousness that has nothing to do with anything we can ever stir up in ourselves. 37 times. He's obviously, he's trying to get a point across. You and me, we need that righteousness. Now, we spent three months in the chapters, two and a half chapters before this, speaking a lot about that. And man, if you weren't convinced uh, after the first two and a half chapters of Romans that you don't need a righteousness apart from you, oh wow, I, I, I don't know what to say. 
If you weren't here, it'd be good to, to go through those messages. But he's 37 times, he's trying to get this point across. You need a righteousness that is not your own. Now hear me out. From the time we're really, really little, we're told that we need forgiveness and to go to God that we need forgiveness. But hear me out. And if you've never heard this before, let this, let this be the first time and let it be branded on your soul 37 times. You need more than forgiveness. If all you have is forgiveness, you're going to spend your eternity apart from God. You need forgiveness plus a righteousness. The righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. Again, verses 21 and 22. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. It's made available, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And and by that, Paul means, I'm not making this up for the first time in the New Testament. The entire Old Testament is about this. There's a righteousness that you can have apart from obeying the law, apart from your behavior, past, present, or future. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Meaning, it, all this does be- beg the question, right? Well, how do I get this righteousness? How do I get it? I want it. I need it. So that I'm a dad that's been neglecting my child. I'm a, I'm a wife that's been fantasizing. I'm, I, I've been in the computer doing whatever. I need a righteousness that's not my own. How do I get it? Well, that's what the verse, verse uh, 22, that's what it answers. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all, underline that word, all, That means you, no matter what you've done, to all and on all who what? Do. Does it say that? Not who do, who believe. Who believe. You get this righteousness only one way. By believing, by trusting your life to Jesus Christ, by having faith in Jesus Christ. That's what verse 22 says, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. What about Jesus Christ? That he lived a perfectly righteous life for you, always perfect, never wrong, all the time, in the eyes of God. And he lived that life in order to credit it to your account. Number two, the penalty, the punishment, the Bible says, for your unrighteousness is death and hell, and Jesus went through that for you. And number three, he rose from the dead, and he rose into heaven to pour out the gift of life for you so you can have joy, you can pray, you can be bold. You can run this race, the race of life that God has set before you with endurance. And you can walk in love. 
But now, verse 22, the righteousness of God apart from the law is made available, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ to all and on all who believe. It has been said. that you can go out and buy 10,000 books, and there's way more than 10,000 books uh, uh, out there on how to help your life. There's a million, but who knows how many books there are on how to help you. You can go out and buy 10,000 books on how to help your life, and, and they won't even approach remotely, infinitely remotely, if you just get these two verses right, just these two verses, you get these two verses right, and that'll do far more than those 10,000 books. You'll save a lot of money and a lot of time. If you just get these two verses right. In 1763, a man named William Cowper was committed to... Uh, an insane asylum in England, Albans Insane Asylum, a mental facility. He was 28 years old. He had a complete mental breakdown. He had tried three different times to commit suicide. Six months into his stay at this insane asylum, he found a Bible lying on a bench in the garden. He opened it up, he turned to John chapter 11. And he read that chapter, and, and there was just, it just struck him. That chapter, John chapter 11, is about the, how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But then what happened when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? Oh, there was a huge revival. No. It says the people who saw it, a bunch of them, they, they saw it, they went back to Jerusalem to plot his death. That's what they did. And then what does Jesus do? He goes right into Jerusalem after him to die for him. And, and he read that, this, this man who had lost his, his mind. And he says, maybe there's hope for me. And then he turned to Romans chapter 3. To Romans chapter 3. The very verses that we're in this morning, that we read this morning... And upon reading it, he went through just a stunning transformation in his own words. After reading these verses, which were in this morning, he says, immediately, I received the strength to believe it. And the full beam of the sun of righteousness shone upon me. And I saw the sufficiency of the atonement that he had made. My pardon sealed in his blood. And all the fullness and completeness of his justification of me. In a moment, I believed and I received the gospel. It's a crazy man. That's what he was. He left that place and for 33 years... Amazing influence. He was a poet, wrote all kinds of poetry, but he also wrote a bunch of hymns that 
many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with. They're, they're in hymn books. Uh, but uh, most famously, he joined up with John Newton, the writer of the hymn Amazing Grace, and he became a force in the anti-slave trading movement. Now, you talk about the righteous being bold as a lion. At that time in the Caribbean, there was many islands. Some of you this morning represent those islands. That they, they were just completely slaves making just a few men and women fabulously wealthy and the slave trade itself making men and women fabulously wealthy. Well, you just try to go up against men like that in parliament or in Congress in England and you try to get the job done. The righteous are as bold as a lion. That guy... He didn't have any, but he was a coward, crazy man, before he read Romans chapter 3. But once he understood and he embraced this righteousness that wasn't his own, he became bold as a lion. Bold as a lion. You get these two verses right. You chew on them. You meditate on them. You embrace them. God will give you. If you do that, the Bible says, you seek and you will find. If you seek with all your heart the full meaning of every single word of these two verses, you're going to spare yourself of 10,000 self-help books. Let's, can we get up uh, Psalm 33.1? You get these two verses right, that you can embrace, you can take on a, a, a righteousness that's not your own. You will rejoice in the Lord. The next verse, Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord hears the prayer of the righteous. You can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm so ashamed of what I let into my mind last night, and I let it go. I repent, Lord. The Bible says you can go in with full faith and confidence as if you've never sinned in your entire life. Why? Because the Bible says that you have obtained the righteousness of God. You have a righteousness that's not your own. It happens at the point of salvation. And we need to feed off of that for the rest of our lives. To feed off of the gospel. In Proverbs 28, verse 1, William Cowper, the righteous are as bold as a lion. You want to know why the body of Christ today is so chicken, so timid, so shy? Haven't been chewing off of the gospel, feeding off of the gospel. They're cowards. We are cowards. Let me tell you, when you start feeding off of these verses, you'll be going out 
and sharing your life. You will. You'll be sharing it. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Can we have the grid again? Rejoice always. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, be bold. Joshua 1.6, let us run with endurance uh, the race that is set before us. Hebrews 12, verse 2, walk in love. Ephesians 5.2, all of this. These are commands, but they're commands that you will do enthusiastically once you get it. Once you get this great salvation that Jesus Christ purchased for you. Now this week, I, I, I just, there were several mornings where I woke up just as I described earlier. I have no idea what I dreamed or what went on during the night. I just, I just woke up feeling guilty, feeling like a failure feeling rotten. And you know what I did? I, 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 I opened up to Psalm 51.7. Can we have that, Dennis? And I, and I just cried out to the Lord. Hey, this is what David cried out when he, um, after he had sinned with Bathsheba, committed adultery with Bathsheba and then killed her husband. He, he ran to the Lord. He, says, he said, Lord, purge me, meaning get, purge me, meaning purge my sin, get rid of my sin with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Now, now David didn't know it, but he's, he, at, at that time, he knew he could go to the Lord for righteousness that was not his own, and, 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 but he didn't, know, he didn't know like we know it. He didn't know about the blood of Jesus, but he did know about the blood that had been put over the doorframe at the time of the Exodus with a hyssop branch. Hyssop is a branch in the Middle East that in the book of Exodus, right before they were delivered from slavery, right before they were saved at the 10th plague, the angel of death went throughout the land of Egypt, killing the firstborn of Egypt. And the Lord said through Moses, to the children of Israel, listen, so that angel of death doesn't come into your house and kill the firstborn in your house, you take a branch of hyssop you cover it with the blood of the lamb. And you put it over your doorpost. And when that angel sees it, doesn't matter what happened in that house. There's going to lies in that house, rapes in that house, stealing in that house, dishonoring of parents in that house. Doesn't matter. The angel of death will pass over. And David is saying, purge me with hyssop, with confidence that the Lord is is." more than willing. He died so that he can give you this blood. And each time, just walking away from my morning prayer time, just free of whatever happened, which I didn't know even what during the night. Turn with me to Romans chapter one, just a couple of uh, uh, chapters back. Let's, I'm gonna be coming back to these verses probably throughout the time in our book of Romans. Uh, again, so many times we've read, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. 
for it is the righteousness of God, for in it, rather, in this gospel, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, from faith to faith, meaning from this time in the day to later on today, to this week to the next week, to this month to the next month, from this stage that you are in your life, you're a student or whatever to the next stage, or, or you have one job to the next job, or, or, or into this ministry, into the, from faith to faith. We don't stop feeding off of the gospel. Never. I'm going to call the worship team up. And while they're coming up, I want to read the next verse. Actually, let's, let's read um, verse 23. Verse 22 says that we can have a righteousness. We need a righteousness. We need it. That's what chapters 1 and 2 and, two and first half of chapter 3 was about. We need a, you, need, you need a righteousness. You need a righteousness. You need a righteousness. Why? Because, verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? The glory of God, again, are those attributes of God that when you look at them with the blinders off your eyes, it just makes your heart explode, explode. when you see the love of God. Wow! That's the glory of God. When you see the, the, the justice of God or even the anger of God, wow! When you see the tender mercies of God, the, the patience of God, God is so patient with me, with you. And you go, wow, that's the glory of God. But it says all of us have sinned and have fallen short of the right to join to that glory. But we can get joined to that glory simply by having faith in Jesus Christ and it's free. Read with me. Verse 24. It says, being justified freely by his grace. In other words, when you believe in Jesus, when you ask for Jesus in your life, you show up, you don't come to Jesus saying, I really want to be attached to your glory. I, I want to be united with you. I, I want salvation. I want your righteousness. You don't show up with your own works. You don't do that. You don't try to pay him. I remember one time I was in, uh, as a little kid, Dover, Massachusetts, west of the city. I was seven or eight years old. There was a blackout. My parents took my two brothers and I out to, to dinner with my mother. And at the end of the dinner, my, my father asked the uh, waitress, can I have the bill? There's no, so, some guy was just here. He left. He saw your family. He was so blessed by your family, he paid for the dinner. Now, what would happen if my dad says, well, look, I need to pay. That's ridiculous. I need to pay. She's like, well, what, what, what is this money? What am I supposed to do with it? Someone already paid it. Now, we didn't know who this guy was. We couldn't chase after this guy to try to pay him. But yet that's what we do. Do you understand that? That is exactly what we do with God. We, we run around like chickens with our heads caught up trying to find God. How can we pay God, you know, this type of thing, showing up with our good works? Impossible. We need a righteousness that's not our own. It's free. And sometimes the best way to understand 
of why it's so inexpensive, it's free, is just looking and considering the cross. Look at the next verse. It says in verse, um, verse 25, it says, speaking of Jesus Christ, verse 25 says, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. Propitiation means satisfaction, meaning, meaning God is just and he has to punish our sin because if he doesn't punish our sin, then he's not just. But he puts our sin on his son. Our, our, our sins were transferred onto Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ, uh, uh, it dies for our sin and so there's a satisfaction of the justice of God, a propitiation the blood. And sometimes in order to understand why it's so inexpensive, meaning you mean, Pastor Steve, I can't really do anything. I just believe in Jesus, ask him in my life and it's free. Yes. Well, how can that be so? Look at the cross. Just consider the cross. Now this is, listen, your sin, my sin was so bad. It was so wicked that it took the blood of the perfect son of God to pay for it. That's how bad it is. Supremely, your sin is, is not about how bad it is to the people you sin against. It's about how bad it is to God. You killed and I killed the Son of God. That was the first Acts chapter 2. That's the first sermon ever given in Acts chapter 2. The Apostle Peter going to say to the multitude, you crucified the Lord of glory. But because it was so costly... Remember, it was all about love. God so loved you, the world, that he sent his son to die for you. It was so costly. It was complete. that now there's nothing to add to it other than trusting in Jesus Christ. So this Friday night, we have a communion service here right in this room at 7 p.m., and of course, communion is all about the blood, right? It's all about verse 25. God set forth Jesus Christ as a satisfaction by his blood. And we do this, we've done this every other month. We started doing this every other month so that we can really focus on, wow, the blood of the Son of God. I can't trust anything else because everything else is so much below that. Everything else is dirty compared to that. The precious blood of Jesus, Peter, the Apostle Peter calls it. We're going to be here this um, uh, Saturday, rather this Friday night at 7. As a church, we're going to be here. And the, that's why we, we shut down the Bible studies that occurred during the day and, and, and at evening. But actually, the prayer meetings, we never stopped praying here at Calvary Chapel in the city. All the morning prayer meetings all continue. But, but the, 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 the day meetings, the, the night meetings, they all close down because we just want people to focus on communion. So this Friday night at 7 p.m. So I'm going to close in, 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 in prayer here. We're going to sing a worship song. Why don't you uh, stand up? I first want to just say this to anybody in this room and if you've been asked to pray if you could come up at this time if you've been asked to pray if you could come up at this time if there's anybody in this room who 
it never dawned on you before, before maybe today, that you have nothing to offer God. You can't by your good works, by your good behavior, by your promises about the future, enter into a relationship with God or go to heaven. You can't do that. And when you do that, it's an insult to the blood of Jesus Christ. I never really knew that until I was in my early 20s. And at that time, I received for free, free me, cost Jesus Christ a lot, that, 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 that saving relationship. And so if you've never done that before, I'll be up here. Actually, when it says that we get his righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ, it's a simple prayer of faith. A prayer of faith you can do in the privacy of your own living room, although Jesus did call who he called, he called publicly. At some point, you're going to have to go public about it. You might as well do it this, today. So if you want to come up and, and just pray that, yes, Lord, I open up my heart to you, come in. I need a righteousness that's not my righteousness. Come up. Or remember what we said, for every single Christian, you need to live from faith to faith to faith, and you need to take seriously God's commands about joy, about praying, about boldness, about walking faithfully in the race that he has set or running in the race that he has set before you with endurance and finally walking in love. And man, you, you've just been feeling too dirty and you need to feed off of that perfect righteousness of Jesus. You, like David, need to go uh, to God, purge me with that hyssop, Lord. Please, watch me. And you'd like to do that with a brother or sister. Listen, if you, we can't be vulnerable now. We're, we won't be able to ever be vulnerable. Just come up. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he exalts. He lifts up the humble. It's a humble thing to get up here and pray. But if you'd like to pray, otherwise, uh, we can worship together. Lord, I, I just pray in Jesus' name as we close out the service that you draw people just to pray and to praise at this time. And yes, it's, it's by the blood of Jesus we, we agree and, and pray that. Amen.